And what was wrong with him? He was cute. Nah, he's got some issues. But he brought you flowers. I know. Like I said, he's got some issues. Hey, this is Michelle Spiva, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So come on with me on this journey as we talk about in the time of love bombing. Yep, I'm going to see you on the flip. It's going to be good, y'all. So the other day I was talking about uh, some relationships that I've had over the past with a good friend who has known me since I was 18. And we got to going through memory lane on some of the ones that stood out the most. And in hindsight, I had to recognize that, wow, we really are in a time of love bombing. So let me bring those of you who are not familiar with this trendy statement or or term up to speed. Love bombing. It is the act of uh, a consistent companionship early. It is an unrealistic expression of love, and it is where the person is willing to say things like, I love you on like the first date or the third date, or let's move in together. And so love bombing uh, in that sense is where it is too much too soon. And that's where we start. But of course, as with anything, wisdom has a way of showing us the complex web that is woven when we delve deep under the surface. Okay, so I almost call this, you know, love bombing country and those types of things because it it seems to be cultural and there are some arguments for why that is. So if you will, let me take you back through a little bit of interpretive history, not revisionist, just interpretive, y'all. And that is, go back to a time in the turn of the century where divorce rates are at an all-time high and there are children involved. And a lot of these children are shuttled between parents uh, because now both parental rights are are moving into a liberation of justice where um, fathers and mothers are being considered as having the rights to have their children live with them. And so you now have these kids who spend a week living in this house, a week living in that house, or a weekend here, a weekend there, or a holiday here, a holiday there, to the point where they get bartered and uh, used as sometimes leverage, sometimes as uh, um a uh, object to be dangled and used against one another in a grand battle. And so fast forward 10, 20 years, and now these children are adults. And it was uh, around the two early 2000s when a book came out about love bombing your children. And it was written by a sociologist who was well-meaning. They even say that, you know, because I have not read the book. I've just uh, looked at 
the ramifications of the book. Okay. But they actually said that it was a benign expression of the term love bombing. And I wanted to bring this up because it was um, a psychologist by the name of Oliver James, a British psychologist. And what he did was he recommended love bombing as a way for parents to help their troubled children. And people embrace this because you had people going on to say that to say that, oh, my gosh, when I did this, I was so much uh better equipped and able to see life through my child's eyes because I'm spending all of this one-on-one time with them only to have the aftermath or the reverb of it decades late a decade or two later where now these children are adults and they just they define their expression of love through the terms of this love bombing and so in that context, love bombing started off as something good, but it unleashed the Kraken, if you will, in what we're dealing with now with adults who have no problems ghosting, uh, have no problems being all or nothing, and have no problems falling into a triangle of uh, romantic uh, terrorism that I'm going to talk about in a minute. So let me walk us through this, uh, because I don't want us to let this opportunity go to stretch and grow and to change the course of where we're going. All right. So with this whole understanding of uh, love bombing as we are right now, I, as a romance writer who has been writing for about a decade, I had to take responsibility for this myself. And it has sometimes been described as the uh, the the romance guide to love where it's insta love and they see each other and oh my gosh they're in love and and um now in the heterosexual sense because that's the one I'm most familiar with um the roles are uh totally uh defined and Whoever is the aggressor is received with kindness and yes, I love what you're doing. And it it is just an all enveloping and consuming thing between the love interest. And I had to start stepping back from that because of course, when you know better, you do better. And so for me, I had to start backing away from that and making it where this could be more realistic, where I started including timelines to uh, have the times exaggerated or putting them in realistic positions where they would be forced to have to use all this time together to get to know each other, uh, whether it be by peril or by circumstance. And so this is not an excuse for my past books. And a lot of them, I'll just be honest with you, a lot of them I have uh, unpublished because I just didn't want that toxicness of a a romantic expression out there, especially when I found out that romance writers are in the top sources for how people articulate what they should be doing in a romantic relationship. Okay. So I wanted to, you know, fess up to that first and foremost, because I don't want to continue to be propagating an egregious fantasy that is toxic at best. All right. So when we talk about this whole love bombing situation, it can be innocent 
and turn into something, or it can be diabolical from the start. And there's not a lot of time to go deep into this. So what I'm going to do is keep it where we're going to talk about, I'm going to deal with the big ones first, the the toxic, you know what you're doing kind of types. And then we'll move into some of the more benign, they didn't know what they were doing. And then this, you know, this, it turned into this kind of thing. So if you will, when a lot of people talk about this whole love bombing culture or or situation that we're in now, they pin it all on narcissists. But there is a history with love bombing. Let's even talk about the genesis of the name. Love bombing actually came into existence with the formation of it in the 70s where we had cults. Yes, see C-U-L-T-S, cults, namely the one headed by Jim Jones, University, uh, uh, the Unification Church. Uh, and the concept was when someone showed interest into joining their organization, they would love bomb them. And love bombing for them meant that it was where they smiled all the time, they paid extreme attention and adoration, uh, non-romantic touching or non-romantic affection for the newcomer. They tried to convey genuine expressions of friendship, fellowship, and interest and concern about them. They even went so far as to try to recreate the idea, ideal familial existence for this person because a lot of people were coming out of abusive uh, relationships within their family constellation and this was a breath of fresh air and so much so that they were willing to say well this is my new family and replace their family with this new one but as things are want to do and human nature is fickle like that or capricious whatever you want to call it this love in quote started to become feigned and as a practice of psychological manipulation. Now, this was done in order to create that feeling of unity within that group, and it's us against the world, and then they were able to paint the world as hostile, as toxic, and as unsafe, so that they could say, see how much love you get here, you're only safe with us. Uh, the problem started to rise when people would come out of this haze of this early on love because they would start to get to the point where they started missing the outside world, their family, their friends, their possessions. Because sometimes it was like, give us all your possessions. We'll take care of you. And when they tried to reestablish connections to the outside world, that's when stuff would hit the fan and it became an issue. And so just going back through those histories, you had it again with another large cult, uh, uh, Sun Moons. Uh, uh, I, I, well, I actually said Sun Moons Unification Church, but uh, you also had Jim Jones, Sun Moon, and all of those where you come into our new family, we give you all the love and all of this kind of stuff. And the Moonies is what they were called. And so it was where we started to learn some things. Not me, because I was I was a kid, but um, this is the history of this particular area of therapy uh, that I'm sharing with y'all real quick. For Thank you for permitting me to do so. And we started to learn that one of the biggest indicators that people are uh, love-starved is their self-esteem. That And now, 
in our contemporary times, we understand that that person that knowingly or unknowingly triggers a person's uh, need for self-esteem and is very good at fulfilling that or actually uh, super feeling it, meaning that it's constant, they are able to enrapture you into their world very fast. Um, And going back to the A part, I was talking with someone and they were talking about um, uh, all of the gifts that the guy continued to share a shower on them. And they were talking about how, you know, don't let the outside looks and gestures uh, fool you. Um, that he was overbearing. He would go from 110 to, to silence to 110. And every time that person tried to get away from him, it was hard. It was scary at times. It was just crazy. And so uh, I was like, mm, you got love bombed. And they, they weren't familiar with the term. And I talk to them. And so it got me to thinking, I was like, I need to share this with you guys and give you some wisdoms on what it is, how to be aware of it, whether you're the recipient or you're doing it and how to move forward. So if we're okay with that, let's, let's continue to get into this. All right. And so with this background of this love bombing, it then moved into the general culture as it is wont to do. And you have to remember, That economically, moving into the 80s and the 90s, it was all about getting that paper, getting those Benjamins, that almighty dollar. It always has been that. But in this particular, well, I'm going to say 30-year span from the 70s to the 2000s, that was counted as king. And we were all about self. I've talked about it in other podcasts about it actually being uh, known as the century of self where it was all about us. And well, whereas pri- uh, previously in the 19th century, it was all about community and family uh, with the building of uh, strong family dynasties and movements. And dynasty who? Dynasty what? <laughs> in, in the 20th century. Uh, but it spawned some things that we're now that are now coming home to roost and we're having to deal with them, um, particularly right now, this whole love bombing. And the sad part is, is even though there are some diabolical uses of it that I'm going to continue to talk about, there are some people, and I'm saying some in a conservative way, but there are a lot of people who don't understand that love bombing is not the best expression. I'm not going to even say best. Love bombing is not the way you want to express love in a a romantic or even a friendship relationship. Um, there are certain things that people are grasping for now because it's been many years that this has been propagated, that it, this is how you do it. Uh, we have media, uh, entertainment, and uh, everywhere you look, reinforcing that this is how it should be done. And they don't realize that, no, this is not healthy. And so let's, let's get back into this whole love bombing because, like I said, it has a lot. Of stuff going on. So fast forward to uh, the um, ni- the 80s and 90s where uh, money is king. And thus you have gangs and you have pimps. Yes, I said it. 
as well as cults, continuing to draw people in with this whole love bombing will take care of you. And because we already know that if you have 20 people contributing all their all their monies as opposed to one or two, of course you're going to have more money to work with. And th- then you're going to have that allure of we can take better, better care of you and provide for you way better than if you were on your own or if you were with your sad sack family. And so they were winning a lot of people over. We had these epidemics of uh, gangs and cults. And for a lot of disenfranchised women and trans women, uh, pimps who would do the same. These poor women didn't realize that they were being groomed and that they were being prepped to become these objects of these people. Because it wasn't just men, but people who were not as they seemed, but did understand the power of doing this. There are, uh, and and I, I, I hesitate because I am not recommending this book. I read it. It scorched my soul. And I was like, oh my gosh. But um, it's a book by the name, it's called Pimp. Uh, and it was written uh, as a memoir of a man who had been a pimp in uh, the 40s, 50s, well, I don't know. It was uh, he was a pimp in the fifties and sixties through the seventies, and then he decided to write his memoir. Um, and I and the and I, I had read it before it trickled into popular society. Uh, to be honest with you, I read it uh, when I was in school as part of an assignment, as uh, part of having to understand the battered woman's syndrome, uh, women coming out of abuse. And like I said, it's it scorched my soul. Only to hear about it being referenced by Dave Chappelle in a Netflix after special uh, where he picked out some of the salacious parts. And then it got all of these people who didn't understand really what it was about, but they were so busy trying to get an, a one-upsmanship on, on uh, would-be targets and lovers. And I was like, I hope that that's not the case. And I'm not saying that Dave Chappelle was glorifying what it said. He was just making reference to it. Actually, he was making reference to it is that um, in the fact that, not the fact, in the way he perceived that he had been treated as a victim of this this uh, psychology of, of what had happened, this dark psychology. And I was like, oh my gosh, I hope these people are not glorifying this, only to see that, yes, a lot of them were glorifying it. And now some of the terms that were used in this book have permeated themselves into our, our common culture now. And I'm not going to repeat what they are. I'm not recommending the book. You will not see it in my uh, books of recommend, uh, uh, mentioned books in this. Get it at your own because it includes uh, drug use, uh, dark psychology, manipulation, uh, gang treatment, violence, and those types of things. And I'm pretty sure now that I've said that, a lot of you guys going to be like, I got to go find this book. And I'm not even giving you the real title. I'm just saying it's got the word pimp in it. Okay, so anyway, let's move on from that. But we then start having movies coming out, especially in my culture, talking about the gangs and the loyalties and we did all of this for you. And little did we know that not only in in the culture that I grew up in, but in other cultures, this whole concept of love bombing was being, the seeds were being sown deep and nurtured with that 
good soil of reinforcement uh, where it was almost uh, a test of your, your loyalty and your heart to these people when they would give you all of this affection and constant companionship all the time. You would get, uh, oh, you're just an ingrate. And so it was very hard to see where it could possibly lead. But because of uh, time, good old time, time has now had its its way and it is showing us what the uh, offspring of the seeds are, are, are uh, doing. And now we are in a time of love bombing. Okay, so um, narcissist, they get the brunt and I am not trying to say that narcissism is good or bad. What I'm saying is, is it's a condition and it has a condition of varying degrees, okay? And I will say this, narcissists are made, they are not born that way. Uh, psychopaths are, but not narcissists or even um, uh, psycho, um, excuse me, sociopaths. Okay, so with the narcissist, there is so much literature that you can find on how they do this love bombing. And I'll go a little bit over it, but it's just covered. I just kind of wanted to put you, uh, give you a scale of the kind of things that you can peep from this. And again, I want to say that not every person that engages in love bombing is a raging uh uh, dark or manipulative narcissist. There are gradients of it, so much so that I am going to recommend a book that I've recommended in a previous in previous podcast. I did the podcast on uh, Echo and Narcissist, and it was uh, inspired by the book Rethinking Narcissism by the clinical psychologist Craig Malkin. And I will list that book in the show notes. Uh, but in that book, he talks about the, the range of the narcissist and the echoist. And it's a great read. It will help you to better position and understand where you fall on that, on that range. And it will take the sting out of a narcissist because most of the time we are talking about the upper, the hyper level of a narcissist and the hyper level of an echoist. So please check it out. It will do you a world of good in navigating what's What's required to remain safe, sound, and sane in today's uh, toxic uh, world of interacting with emotions? So these these narcissists, oh my gosh, we're talking about, like I said before, we're gonna we're in this regard, we're talking about the extreme ones, and uh, all narcissists have a need to feel special, whether it was taught to them that you are special or whether it was taught to them that you're not special unless you can gain my attention, aka divorced kids, okay? Not all divorced kids, but a lot, some divorced kids. And so for them, that's what they bring to the table. They want to feel special. And when they no longer feel special in a relationship or when they no longer get what they want out of a relationship where they aren't necessarily romantic attracted, uh, uh, attracted to it, they leave in pursuit of the next special conquest. And so I'm setting that up that way. There is a Huffington Post uh, article that was done um, in 2018 that I'm, I'm going to put in the show notes as well. And they did a really good job of interviewing some of the people that I have um, 
uh, followed in understanding this as well. I'm going to be giving shout out to uh, Virginia Gilbert, uh, of course, Craig Malkin, and to, I like saying <laughs> his name, but Dewey Dale Archer, but he goes by Dale Archer. And all of them are uh, psychologists and they have done great work in understanding the uh, love bombing. So with a narcissist, what happens is they try to buy uh, their their ability to control you, to subjugate you by uh, putting you on an emotional podium with expensive gifts or declarations of love early into the relationship. And it's kind of like they seem like they're gluing you to a pedestal. But what they're doing is is they're building up their emotional podium over you, their status over you. And so um, according to uh, Dr. Gilbert, uh, and I I do say that I want to preface this by saying that she deals a lot. She's a marriage and family therapist, and she deals a lot with high conflict divorce. And so I tended to listen to what she had to say. And what she says is that when these narcissists come with gestures uh, that imply a level of commitment just out of the blue, it's usually the way you can tell this is happening is it's out of proportion with the length of time and the depth of um, knowledge and experience they have with the person. Um, One of the things that she did say about these narcissistic love bombers is that they use grand gestures to manipulate. They will fake their interest in another person. They'll make you feel like it's genuine. And they will usually do it by using a combination of sex, money, attention, maybe even a live a live-in housekeeper or access to uh, important people or vice versa. If you offer that to them, then they might be wanting to get that from you. She goes on um, to talk about how um, left unchecked, you will feel like you've been in a, a, a whirlwind of love bombs and where you will feel depleted, de- depreciated for having had this experience. And then um, Dale Archer, and um, I, I think that he does one of the best jobs on giving you a succinct understanding of love bombing when you're dealing with a narcissist. He says that there are actual phases of love bombing. And these phases are where they idolize you, then they devalue you, and then they discard you, but then they repeat it. And so if you're in a relationship where you have this all or nothing, you are the one. I mean, the all eyes on you. When they are with you, there is no other. That's the ideation ideation stage. But then if you do something or you don't even have to know what you've done, they seem to flip or switch. And then you can't find them uh, or they're dismissive or cold or yeah, meh or whatever. That's the devaluation stage. And then they just go ghost. They ghost on you. And but here it comes again. Oh, they send a text or whatever. I was thinking about you. You're on my mind. They're trying to pull you back in. Well, there is a reason behind this, behind this thinking of the person doing this. They're not trying to just do this uh, to be mean. There are factors that drive this. And it is where the ideation stage, they don't have an ability to have gradients of good or bad. So in their world, a person or a thing is 
It has to be 100% good or 100% bad. And when they are viewing you through that 100% good lens, they idolize you. They create this ideology. They come talking of marriage and promises and all of these fantasies about the future. And they, there is nothing to, to sustain what they're talking about. But yet and still, something may trigger them or it might just be the day they're on where they're not feeling you and you are the enemy. Because of you, they feel smothered or whatever. And thus, the devaluation stage has started. And because they feel uh, smothered, they then discard. They go away. I don't have time for you right now. This is too much. And it causes irreparable damage to the receiver of this because the receiver is out of the loop because they're not really good at talking about what's going on with them because, heck, they don't even know what's driving them sometimes. And so what Dr. Archer says, Dewey Dale (laughs) says, is stop looking, listen. I mean, it's common sense. He's like, you know, to avoid it, what you have to do is you have to, and this is the hard part, you have to break off the contact with the abuser and You need to seek support from your family and your friends. And I don't care if it's been 20 minutes or 20 years. It's the same thing. We have to look at reaching out to our support system who has gone through the test of time with us, through the ups and the downs. And that's one of the big things about love bombing. It is unwarranted because it is untested and untried. You cannot... You just cannot uh, profess love when you are not willing to go through the ups and downs. And that is where this splinters away from the the healthy love at first sight, which is more rare. Uh, Love at first sight, these people are in it to win it mutually. And they're like, come what may, we're going to stick it out. And so with the love at first sights, they understand that everything is not perfect and they don't have this ideation, devaluation, uh, discard, cycle running as a, a back, um, a hardware uh, pro- a program underneath the surface. They don't fall out with each other only to come back and never talk about it, never understand what is it driving that, that feeling behind it. They, on the other hand, are willing to say, you know what? We've made this commitment to not only love each other, but to be there for each other. And they are usually very healthy in understanding that we come as a group of people. I represent my family and friends, you represent yours. And so that's how that part of the love love at first sight differs greatly from the love bomber. And so I guess you can tell by now that when you're looking at this situation, it is really prevalent because it's happening to a lot of people. And we don't want to paint with broad brushstrokes here. Not every person who does this even knows what they're doing or is a flaming narcissist because where the narcissist is doing this to get what they want, either to feel special And when you no longer make them feel special, they're out or to gain something from you, which we would more traditionally call a honey trap or a honey hole where someone uh, 
uh, feigns romantic interest in you to get you to do something. Uh, you've seen the guys like on uh, Dirty Round Scoundrels. Uh, it actually came from a British book. Uh, uh, Stephen, uh, it'll come to me in a minute. Uh, but he uh, had an entire series about uh, one-upsmanship and he was famous for this, um, for this psychological strategy of what he was doing. And uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels would feign, uh, have women, I mean, have men feigning uh, interest in women to gain uh, the upper hand and to uh, make it seem like they were in love with them to, to uh, get access to their money or to um, do things uh, like get get the women to take care of them or write them into the wills. It was, it was diabolical. I'm not, I'm not saying that that's what his books were about, but there was actually kind of like, um, there was the, uh, it was called sportsmanship and some other stuff, but this is not about Mr. Steven. And I'm going to get, I'm going to remember his last name before, uh, this is over. So I can make sure that I tell you about him because yes, yes, yes. Uh, he was something else. And, uh, in his lifetime, I'm gonna just tell you, he was, you know, he he was very, very good at uh showing people that part of life, I should say, the underbelly of how to take people's emotions and uh turn them into weapons. And um he wasn't mean or anything. He was he was Stephen Potter, that's his name, Stephen F. S-T-E-P-H-E-N, and then Potter like Harry Potter. And yes, he was British. Um, so anyway, uh, I just wanted to mention that because that was the genesis, I believe, because he, he died in 1969. And that was the genesis of putting out this information. And then we had uh, an explosion in the late 90s, early 2000s for the PUA. PUA, which stands for pickup artist. And these are the guys that I don't believe are narcissists, but they are taught to love bomb and they think that it's the way of, of how you interact with people when it is not. And if I, I'm just going to say it now, if you have been thinking that this manipulative way of trying to trick women into liking you uh, because you don't want to be a dope or anything understand that it's built on shaky foundations and it will lead you into these areas that are not good or sustainable where you'll end up being hurt way more than the women will. Okay. So let's get into a little bit more of uh, talking about the love bombing in our culture now. So now we've talked about narcissists. I've talked a little bit about cults and I've mentioned briefly gangs and pimps. So you understand that they are the ones that they know what they're doing and it is not for your good and they don't care about uh, having a long-term relationship. They don't even care about the long-term repercussions that it might bring you. Uh, but moving into the aftermath of Stephen Potter's books of sportsmanship and the pickup artist uh, community and, uh, ooh, dare I say it, the gold digger community on the other side, don't, don't at me. I am not looking down on any of these. I'm just simply pointing out some of the side effects. Let's just call them that, side effects of what's happening with this. And that is that 
we are now seeing people who do not know how to handle romantic conflict when things go awry as they do because we are humans and nature. And yes, there will be times when you have to work and change and grow and wade into waters that are unfamiliar and you'd have no skills on what to do. And so you just got to go with them and go through them with the person. And because people have been taught, shower them with affection, with love, cook for them, clean his house, you know, make it where, uh, you know, he doesn't... Um, want to go anywhere else, you know, and, and I, and, and you guys, you might not know about this little culture, but I've been watching it because I actually get people coming to me to consult on how to get out of these emotions. And so I have to be up on it. Uh, whether, uh, you are considered a, um, a pick Misha, meaning that you're doing all of this kind of stuff to win the guy over or you are a sugar babe where you're like, I will give you affection if you buy me stuff, give me money and that kind of thing. It's still very dangerous for you as well as the person because you might be dealing with a skilled narcissist or you might be dealing with a guy who took a few little classes on uh, pickup artistry or you might be dealing with an innocent soul who is really just out there or and let's not even talk about our um, hypersexuals and our um, our, our romance and uh, romance, sex and love. I don't like to use the word addicts anymore because they're not in the attic range. Compulsories, that's what I'll say. They have compulsions for those things. It can go badly for everyone involved. And so this is kind of like a little bit of a warning to everything that you want if it does not can take into consideration the other people's feelings or the um the reactions to your actions stop it and evaluate because no one wants to get used and remember what we said at the the top of the podcast that when we're in a romantic relationship each one of us wants to feel a sense of self esteem and if you are trying to get someone get something out of someone to only fulfill your sense of self esteem with a total disregard for theirs Mm, I don't want to be so harsh, but unless it's, you know, like dangerous, you get what you get. So don't be upset when it blows up in your face. So let's let's close this out because my time is my time is coming close and coming fast. All right. So with this whole uh, situation of uh, love bombing. If you are not dealing with a narcissist and you are not a narcissist and you are just working on the regurgitations of uh, pickup artistry or uh, how to uh, snare a man, <laughs> whether it by be by being a sugar baby or a pick Misha, you know, that woman who is willing to do so much more, you know, what um, Beyonce's anthem, no one can love you like I love you or, or hold up. She don't love me like she don't love you like I love you. Those kinds of things. Look and see to make sure that this is not a one-sided thing where you get into the habit of all or nothing, giving them, showering with them with love. And once you get what you want, then you're done and you forget about them because now you've been fulfilled and you don't keep it going. You could be love bombing. 
And for my dear souls out there who are struggling to figure out what is love, what is romance, and all you've ever known is when I'm with mom, mom is trying to be my best friend and let me do everything and shower me with attention and mommy and me time. And when I'm with dad, he's buying me everything I want and he's trying to show that he's the best bud and all of this. And then once you are happy, they let you stay in your room all day and then they go about their life. I feel for you. I do. And I want to ask you to consider that this is not how you should bring your expression of love into your relationship. I don't want you to feel like just because you have spent all this time, money, and made all these arrangements for someone that you are successfully showing love. You cannot, please hear me, dear one. You cannot believe that because you take someone on a vacation and you didn't work during that vacation and you made sacrifices to your money or to your friends that she or he or they should be happy that you ignore them for another week. You know, if you find yourself saying, why are you texting me? I just spent the whole weekend with you. Consider that maybe it's not them. Maybe You need to look at your pattern of behavior and what you believe constitutes love because it might be an underscript underneath how you were raised or learned or uh, expected love to come. Love is a flow. It is continual. And we have a saying from where I come from, and it goes like this. What you do to get your baby, you have to do to keep your baby. So please. Don't start nothing. Don't do nothing that you cannot keep up on that level. And that will hopefully help you to get back down to a level that's sustainable. And you will be a better partner to your significant other because you will be diligent and consistent in your expression. And also, please remember to check on the other side on their self-esteem. Because that's what we're all trying to give. If you get fulfilled and now, oh, okay, I can divert my energies to my project because I've taken care of you, stop in your tracks. That is love bombing. You can't do all or nothing and expect it to go well. And this last thing I want to say about this is, is when you are moving toward a a romantic relationship that you really like, I want you to really consider if you are doing uh, to that person what you would like to be have done to you. The golden rule is still real. And I want you to take that in consideration because if you don't, you might be the person that a psychologist or a therapist is uh, warning your significant other to just break it off, to move on because you are unredeemable. So with that, yes. Oh my gosh, my time is up. I thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiva, your practical priestess of wisdom with another podcast of Wisdom Smack. Thank you so much, my darling lovelies, for joining me on this podcast at what we called In the Time of Love Bombing. I hope that wisdom will work in you, through you, and for you and help you to live a life where you have continual flowing love. And until then, don't forget to check the show notes and please consider using our Amazon link at Michelle Spiva 
dot com forward slash AMZ for all of your Amazon shopping. We really appreciate it. The proceeds that we may receive go towards the further uh, propagation of doing these podcasts. And thank you those people who are um, supporting us by uh, Patreon, uh, PayPal, Venmo, and Cash App. Appreciate that as well. And check the show notes for the book mentioned. Uh, The good one, not the pimp one. Okay, so I'll see y'all later. See you tomorrow. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.